Hello, hello, welcome to Wake Up to the Word. We are coming to you deep from the bowels of the Marksdale Communication Complex. And we are on episode 40, 44, 43, 40, we're in the 40s. We have gotten over 1,100 uh, listens and or views <clears throat> on our podcast. You guys are awesome. Thank you for sharing. We're so glad you're here. And uh, Chewy, Chewy's very excited about that. So our coffee for the week is given to us by one of our listeners, watchers. I don't know what they do, watch or listen. But they said, can we send in a suggestion? I always take coffee offerings. Um, so this is Kahlua. Let me show you the, the uh, Kahlua. Kahlua original. Uh, let me tell you, it is absolutely delicious. Sorry about that. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. So... Uh, yeah, no, it has a good flavor to it. It's, it's a light roast and it has a very good flavor and, uh, it's smooth. So I think you'll like, you'll like it. So that's the coffee for the week. They sent me two of them so I could have one today for Old Testament Thursday and one for tomorrow, New Testament Friday. So we, it is, uh, the 8th, June the 8th. And uh, we have some Old Testament reading to do, uh, numbers 21 through 28, and there is a pile of stuff we're introduced to some characters that are going to come up in the next two books of the Bible. Oh boy. So um, we're going to have to lay some groundwork and put some information into Jeff's stack of stuff so there you go um so we got a couple of things to put there for you and uh so without any further ado because it's not good to have ado go further uh let's get ready to rumble here we go um, as we come into verse 21, uh, they're starting to go into the land and they're coming up against different cities and kings. And so, um, th- there's some, uh, they come up against uh, Arad and destroyed him when the Canaanite, the king of Arad, uh, who lived in the Geb, this is 21, right away, verse 1, heard that Israel was coming by the way of Atharim. He fought against Israel and took some of them captive, and Israel vowed a vow to the Lord, if you will indeed give this people into our hands, I will devote their cities to destruction. And the Lord heeded the voice of Israel and gave over the Canaanites and they devoted them and their cities to destruction. So the name of the place was called Horma, which means destruction. 
That term, devoted them to destruction, is going to be something you're going to continue to see. Because as they come into these lands that were taken over, this is all going to be uh, kind of cleared up a little as we get into the next book of the Bible, Deuteronomy, where I'll talk about it a little more. These uh, rebelling divine spirits leading these people, leading these nations, and... Um, infiltrating with them as it were that we talked about all the way back in Genesis chapter 6 this is just unfolds and you'll see reasons why these things are happening that uh, there is a, a interbreeding going on when the sons of God came to the daughters of men before the flood and after the flood and so this continued on until God put a stop to it and put the spirits in prison, that's all the way in Jude. So I know we have a lot of pieces that we're putting together, but these words devoted them to destruction. Is you we wonder why God sends Israel into these different lands, these different regions, different cities, different kings and nations, and wipes them out. It's because of the genetic rebellion all the way back in Genesis, and then again afterward. These people are fighting against God's plan and God's people, and they are trying to thwart the plan of God. <clears throat> so we look at it and we say, this is brutal. And people look at the Bible and say, why, how can God wipe out all these people? There's so much death in the Old Testament. Yes, there is. It's because evil has come in and uh, is pushing against the plan of God in um, relationally with God, work in worship with God from Babel, uh, relationally in Eden, in worship at Babel, and genetically when the sons of God came to the daughters of men. These three areas, they're pushing back against God, always trying to deceive men and uh, and uh, go after the divine seed. The kingdom of God starts with the, with the seed of godly potential. And they're always going after the seed. And we see that even today. I'm, 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 I don't want to get political, but this overlaps. Biblical sometimes overlaps with political, especially when the politics is, is uh, you can see it is being led by evil. And, and these, uh, these people uh, in these cities, in these organizations, who are intentionally going in and warping the minds of children when it comes to their sexual identity, when it comes to uh, who they are as a person, how God created them, making them question that, they are both questioning genetic the genetically the children as well as relationally with god this is the rebellion it's come to this place now where uh we we do need to speak up i'm not saying to to big rally i'm not saying all of this but we need to talk common sense we need to speak up with the word of god and and just say 
if you cause one of these little ones, Jesus said it, if you cause one of these little ones to sin, it's better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and you to be cast into the sea. Well, this is what's going on. This genetic rebellion, they are genetically trying to warp the people uh, uh, of God and trying to create something different than the people that God created to be part of his family. And that's what's going on here. So, all right, rant, rant over. All right, so um, <clears throat> now we get into uh, uh, the king of Sion, uh, or Sehan. Then um, Israel sent messengers to Sion, king of the Amorites. They sent messengers in. This is at the end of 21. They sent messengers in and said, just let us pass through. We're just going to go through. We're not going to take any of your stuff. We're not going to ruin your life. We're just going to walk through so we can get to this other region where we know that we need uh, to do a battle. And this king says, no, not going to happen. Not going to do it. And so he thwarts against him. Um, so uh, here's an interesting thing, because now he comes up to King Og. They come up with to King Og. Uh, this is right at the end of 21. Thus is... Uh, Israel lived in the land of the Amorites, and Moses sent a spy to Jazer, and they captured its village and disposed and uh, dispossessed the Amorites who were there. Then they turned and went up by the by way of Bashan, and that's an important name to remember. And Og, the king of Bashan, came out against them. Okay, so we got a couple things going on. This is going to take a little bit to explain. There's uh, this word Bashan, uh, also in uh, Ugaritic texts, um, uh, there's a word Bathon, um, and they are possibly and thought to be almost the, the, the same place using a different word. Um, and the potential that this place uh, means the place of the serpent. Now, Bathon definitely means serpent in the Ugaritic text. Bashan has a, a loose meaning of that, but if you want to equate it, it's at the place of the serpent, if that land of Bashan, but Israel lived in that area, so um, it, it's interesting that it's kind of taken over by the serpent, and in the Greek term, in the New Testament, it's, it's, it's kind of equated with that same region where Jesus said, the gates of hell called it the gates of hell, where later there would be human sacrifice and all kinds of stuff. But this is not a uh, desert area. It is, it's kind of in, at this time, it's not a desert area. It does become more barren later. But it's in this area, it actually has uh, some fertility to it. So, um, <clears throat> so but uh, uh, getting to King Og, it's thought that King Sion... This is talked about in the in a Talmud, and if you don't know what a Talmud is, a Talmud is a Jewish uh, Jewish book that um, is almost like a commentary for the texts of the of the Old Testament. In this particular case, the Torah. So there's Talmuds that help to describe the Torah, that help to teach. Uh, the Torah better and give details. We have commentaries; we call them commentaries in our time. Talmud was translations with a little bit extra. So they would translate uh, the words and give them more meaning and they would expand. Amplified Bible, commentary, that's what these were. But in the Talmud, 
<clears throat> it says that King Sihon and King Og were brothers. Okay, that's an important link because why are they defeating these men? Why are they having war against them? Why are they destroying their peoples? Because they're brothers. So again, why these guys? So um, we're not going to have the full connection until Deuteronomy 3 and Joshua chapter 12. So we get the full information. And this is why I've given you links in Jeff's stack of stuff. So uh, you can read a little bit about it. So when we get there, we'll talk about it and you'll have some understanding. So you're going to see the link. You'll see King Og, the giant, and there's going to be some links there. There's going to be two links for this episode <clears throat> because one is about um, uh, uh, Og and who he is and, uh, and and what's going on there. So um, they're both from the they're both from their website. Got questions. <clears throat> but they give a good overview of what's happening. So the other link is about uh, what's coming up in the next chapter. So, um, but Bashan, I mean, Og, King Og, it, it, as you go to Deuteronomy chapter three, oh my goodness, I've got a frog in my throat. <clears throat> um, as you go to Deuteronomy chapter three, you find out that he is a giant. Okay, and now... After you understand that, in the Talmud linking Sion, uh, King Sihan and Og, they're potentially both giants. Because it says that in, in 3, it says that he was the final remnant of the Raphaim. The Raphaim uh, means terrible person, but they these were giants who were ugly people, mean people. And so... Um, that's what it's talking about. And then you go to Deuteronomy 3, and we'll talk about it when we get there, which is a few weeks away, uh, two weeks away. We'll talk about it when we get there, but they give the dimensions of his bed. And so you know how big he is, and that is a curious number, which we'll do a little more research on. Um, so when we get to Deuteronomy 3, we'll unpack that, because it is very significant, the dimensions of King Og's bed. But this is the quick synopsis. They go through and they destroy these people in Bashan. And then we go to chapter 22, where we talk about uh, 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 Balak. Uh, Balaam, I mean. Uh, Balak, Balak, uh, Balak, the king, summons Balaam, the prophet. <clears throat> now, this is a complex chapter. There's a lot going on here. Um, Balaam gives information to King Balak uh, and, and not to go to place, and he goes there. And, and then uh, Balaam runs into this donkey who can see an angel, and the angel is getting in the way of the donkey, and the donkey won't go where Balaam wants him to go. And he keeps turning away, and Balaam keeps beating the donkey because he's not going where he wants him to go. <clears throat> and then finally, the donkey turns and talks, that's right, talks to Balaam. And it doesn't sound like this. No, it's not Wookiee talk. It's, it's, it's plain uh, Hebrew. He's, and he's talking Hebrew. The donkey's talking Hebrew. Come on now. We got this bilingual donkey. Uh, well, I don't know if he's bilingual. Well, I guess he, he can talk donkey and he can talk Hebrew. So, um, don crew. I don't know what it is. So, then the Lord, this is uh, chapter 22, <clears throat> chapter 22, starting at verse 28. 
Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and he said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me with these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a fool of me. You're talking to a donkey. Who's the real ass here? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> because you have made a fool of me. I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. And the donkey said to Balaam, <laughs> Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life, all your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you this way? He said, No. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord. So this isn't just any old angel. This is the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you, because your way is perverse before me. So so Balaam is a not a good prophet at all. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had if she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went on with the princess of Balak. Princes, not princess, princes. <clears throat> so, Balaam has this encounter with the angel of the Lord. And we know from past experiences that the angel of the Lord is potentially Christ. It's not, And it doesn't say that when Balaam fell down and worshipped, the angel did not say, don't worship me, I'm a fellow servant like you. Exactly what the angel said to Daniel when Daniel fell and worshipped. So I believe this angel of the Lord was Christ. It's called a Christophany which is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. Angel of the Lord is often <clears throat> referenced, and it is a Christophany, an appearance of Christ. He's called many things in the Old Testament when he appears. The Word is one of them. That's revealed in John chapter 1. Angel of the Lord is one, and there's uh, there's there's other references as well. Um Son of God is in there. Son of Man is in Daniel. So <clears throat> those references are in there in the Old Testament. And you'll see uh, that this is Christ, pre-incarnate Christ. Too many, too many believers, too many Christians, too many churchgoers think that Jesus' beginning started in Bethlehem. But Jesus is eternal. His human existence started in Bethlehem when he humbled himself and became a man. But throughout the Old Testament, there are actions and interactions with Jesus that we know him, the Word, the Angel of the Lord, the Son of God, interacting with human beings uh, within 
the context of the scripture and what's happening. And this is one of them. Now, Balaam, you have another thing going on in Jeff's stack of stuff. I have a Balaam uh, section link for you to go to. It talks more about this, particularly these next several chapters where Balaam, uh, Balak takes Balaam up to these mountains and wants him to curse Israel. Now, Balaam has just had this encounter with the angel of the Lord, with with the word, with the son. And so uh, he goes up and he does these sacrifices. I think he's trying to change Balak's mind. He sacrifices 14, uh, seven uh, on seven altars. He sacrifices bulls and rams and he does this. And then he doesn't curse Israel. He blesses Israel. So this happens not once, happens not twice, happens not three times in all the way through chapter 24. And then he has a final <clears throat> oracle and he blesses them. But then he tells Balak, this is how you can get the curse put onto Israel. And he tells him, send your women in to lure them, lure them. You lure them. You have those women lure them with their sex. And so he gets the Israelites to lay with Midianite women, which they are told not to. So Balaam doesn't directly curse them, but he sets up circumstances. He knows that that what would cause a curse to come on the Israelites, and he tells their enemy what the curse is. This is this is this is an evil prophet. This is someone who is not uh, for the people, though he keeps blessing them out of fear for God. <clears throat> but here's here's the real deal. Balak has told him that he's gonna he's gonna honor him and bless him with riches, and so he wants to both honor God and get the greed, and do the greedy thing that's going on. He wants that greed. He, he he wants the money, so he wants to do the God thing and the, the greedy thing. Doesn't work. Never works. So, Balaam continue, tells him that, and then uh, you see that a Midianite woman goes uh, with a... Um, as you go into 25 at 14, it says, The name of the slain man of Israel who was killed with the Midianite woman. So someone laid with him and they got killed for that was Zimri, the son of Zalu, and chief of the father's be, uh, house belonging to the Simeonites. And the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby, Cosby or Cosby, the daughter of Zur who was the tribal head of the father's house of Midian. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, harass the Midianites and strike them down for they have harassed you with their wiles. In other words, they lured you with their sex with which they beguiled you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby and the daughter of the chief of Midian, their sister who was killed on the day of the plague on account of Peor. That's the event that happened. So 
<clears throat> then we get some census that gets taken in 26. Lots of numbers going on here, hence the book name. There's census taken, and uh, lots of people that have come into the land. Um, I think there was a total given, but uh, I'm trying to find it. Yes, the list of the people of Israel, 601,730. So over a half a million people in that census. And uh, then we go into um, Joshua is supposed to succeed Moses. <clears throat> so the Lord said to Moses, go up into the mountain of Abarim. This is, uh, uh, excuse me, this is chapter 27, starting at verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, go up to the mountain of Abarim and see the land that I have given to the people of Israel. When you have seen it, you shall also be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron, because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zin, when the congregation quarreled, failing to uphold his holy at the waters before their eyes. These are the waters of Meribah, of Kadesh, the wilderness of Zin. Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord... The God of the spirits of all flesh appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out <clears throat> before them and come in before them who shall lead them out and bring them into the congregation of the Lord. May not, um, may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man who is the man in whom the spirit whom is the spirit and lay your hands on him make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation and you shall commission him in the sight <clears throat> uh, all the way down to 23 at the end of chapter 27 and he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed through Moses so <clears throat> Moses can't go in, he says, because, you know, he spoke to the rock. It's, uh, I mean, he hit the rock instead of um, instead of talking to it like he told him. And he said, now you can't go into the land. So is that is that a, a sufficient reason? God says it is. It's a sufficient reason. But here's the symbolism, okay? And I'm going to close out with this particular point of view. Uh Moses represented the law. And Moses is here giving the whole law, the Torah, the five books of the Bible. And, 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 and at the end of Deuteronomy, uh, we'll see that Moses dies and does not go into the promised land, but Joshua leads them into the promised land. Moses represents the law, the giving of the law, the Israel, people of Israel living by the law, <clears throat> and here's the truth, here's the symbolism, here's the shadow. The law cannot lead you into the promised land. They changed leaders, they changed the one they were following, they stopped following the law and started following Joshua. Joshua is the anglicized name of Yeshua, Yeshua. The only way into the promised land is not by following the law, it's by following Yeshua. You have to follow Jesus 
to get to the promised land. That's the shadow. That's the symbolism. You'll never get to the promised land with the Father unless you're following Yeshua. And it's not about saying a prayer that someone asked you to quote. It's about surrendering your life to Jesus Christ because of what he did for you. Here, it's a shadow. But we have the substance because Christ has come and died and was buried and rose again. This has been Wake Up to the Word. We're glad you're here. And we will be back tomorrow. I'll be back. That's right, Arnold. You keep telling them that we'll be back. We will see you tomorrow. Keep reading your word and following Yeshua to the promised land.